Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. Bibles this morning, Matthew 28. Uh, I want to share a message that the Lord put on my heart and start a series that God began to stir within me um, about what he wanted to speak to our church family. Now in the first service, I let everybody know this is going to be a two-week series, and I'm just going to go and let you know it is not going to be a two-week series because I didn't even get halfway through my notes uh, today. So God wants to speak some things to our church today, and I really encourage you to open your ears and your heart to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to speak. If you're looking for a title for today's message, it is is going to be this is going to be the power of touch the power of touch how many of you um well everybody in this room did we all went through 2020 together many of us in this room uh had to deal with some things that maybe some of us didn't but we all had to deal with the unfortunate uh fact that was the coronavirus pandemic okay how many in this room at some point in time had to uh isolate from everyone else anybody in the room okay some of you just said i don't care um but Anyways, uh, some of you who had to quarantine, you know, isolate, probably almost all of us in this room at some point in time um, had to isolate or quarantine or you should have isolated or quarantined, but we won't talk about that this morning. That's a whole other topic we could have a personal conversation on later, okay? Um, But many of us in this room, we we, we isolated or we quarantined, we stayed away from people. And um, in that time, it's incredible and fascinating whenever you study and go to study um, depression and anxiety rates and all these things. Depression and anxiety rates quadrupled during that time. When people were stuck at home, when people could not be around other people, when these things took place, uh, anxiety, depression, all these things began, suicide rates, all these things began to skyrocket. And I want you to know this today, It's really because innately within you, the creator made you divinely in such a way that even if you think you're not a touchy person, if you know what I mean, touchy-feely, there is something within you that craves community, that craves uh, being around people, that craves... human contact you know we're going to talk about this next week we're not going to get to it today but there's actually studies uh, that show forth in premature uh, born uh, babies that the power of touch actually brings healing in their bodies y'all are y'all are quiet this morning first service was rowdy y'all y'all i don't understand this you got more sleep huh there's something actually within us and the way that God created us that human contact and human touch actually uh, it begins to trigger things within our brain that bring happiness, that bring joy, that bring actually healing to us. And we're going to talk some about that uh, next week. And there's also a spiritual aspect of that we're actually going to touch on a little bit uh, today. But in January of this year, I began to ask the Lord what he was speaking for our church family. And I prophesied a message um, about launching and breaking the ceiling and what the Lord was wanting to do in our church. And one of the big things that is a topic that I really believe that God wants for us as a church is this, that he wants us to be healthy. Somebody say healthy. Healthy. 
He wants you to be healthy. Now, I'm not just talking about eating your broccoli and your greens and all that. There is much more to it. Now, you probably should start doing that more often and put down the cookie and the double-decker uh, oatmeal cream pie and all those. Now, those things are good, though, okay? Those are, taste and see that the Lord is good whenever he made those, okay? Like, those are delicious. Um, but, but they will also gain, you gain five pounds every time you eat one. So just keep that in mind, okay? And you get closer to uh, heart problems and all these things, all right? Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I'm not talking about just natural health. Spiritually, God wants us to be healthy. Physically, God wants health in your heart, your mind, your soul, your body, in your family, in your marriage. I really believe that this is a year that God wants you to focus on being more healthy, both in the natural and in the spirit. And we've been doing that as a church. In February, we really focused on strengthening and getting healthy in our families and in our marriages. We just came out of our Building Families Conference, powerful conference with Pastor Ken and Trudy and uh, Blunt. But then also, uh, right now, we're ministering to the needs of our community. In case you didn't know this, um, Okaloosa County, is the number one per capita in divorce rates for all of Florida, which is crazy uh, to me. Uh, but so what we're doing right now is we're partnering actually with the state um, and they are providing uh, marriage classes uh, for our county and we're, we're just hosting those classes here at High Praise. We have two classes going on at once. Now, unfortunately, if you're saying, man, I really want to go to that, you can't continue, you can't come to these sessions unless you've already enrolled, but we are going to be doing them again in about six months. And the reason we're doing it is because the Lord put on our heart that we are called to be a healthy church this year. That's something we need to focus on. And we want to see health in marriages. I want you to hear this right now, okay? Listen to me. If you can have healthy marriages in the church, you can have a healthy church. Because there's unity. And God blesses unity. God anoints unity. So we want to focus on marriages and families and building strong. That's one of our core values. Equipping believers building families and furthering the kingdom of God. That's a huge thing for us, and it always has been, and we're going to be committed to that. We've been focusing on that this uh, this month here in February, and we've talked, and there'll be financial health that we're going to do in the months to come, and many other things, but I believe the Lord really wants to focus on health and the benefits of being healthy. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles, if you haven't already, Matthew 28. I know I told you already, but some of you didn't, and so Matthew 28, if you haven't turned there, I want to read a very familiar passage of Scripture this morning real quickly, um, and let me just say this real quickly so I can clarify anybody who's in the room that may take something and try to run with it. Um, whenever I say that, uh, you know, when we talk about how divorce rates are high in our county and so on and so forth, I want you to hear balance in this, okay? I want every ear to be open to hear this, that if you've ever had a divorce, I'm not being condemning of you right now, okay? I want you to hear that, that there are biblical reasons for divorce. There are biblical um, um, uh, 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 defined reasons that you should get a divorce, abuse, and so on and so forth. We don't have time to go into all of that. However, what I do believe is this. If you are saved, sanctified by the blood, call on the name of Jesus, and your spouse is saved, sanctified by the blood, and so on and so forth, you should be able to make it work. Now, once again, if there is, if there, which is, I could really break this down and preach on this for a moment. If there is abuse and things like that, let me just be honest with you. They're, they're not... <clears throat> They are not actually following the Lord, even though they may say they are, if they are abusing you, okay? And there's biblical grounds for divorce, okay? However, if you are both, if you're married, if you're both married, well, yeah, to each other. If you're married to each other, you love the Lord, you're following Jesus, but you're just not getting along right now, make it work, baby, okay? It takes two to make a thing go right. It takes two to make it out of sight, Woo! you know? 
You can make your marriage out of sight. <laughs> you can make it good, all right? Because it's not just you two. Two become one flesh. And God's in the middle of it. And the Bible says this. It says, what God has put together, let no man, or we could say no thing, separate, okay? So once again, I just want to bring that clarity for everyone in the room today because I know there's probably people in this room that have went through a divorce and there's been biblical reasons. And maybe for some of you, there hasn't been biblical, there wasn't those biblical reasons, but there was other reasons that were there. Listen, there's no condemnation today for you. There's no condemnation in this room for anybody who's went through that. But what there is, is there's acceptance and there's love. And now from what happened in the past, we can leave that behind and we can look at what the word of God says now and we can live out that faith now going forward. Amen? Amen. Are you in Matthew 28 this morning, okay? Y'all got to know me. I'm a person of balance, and I want to make sure I clarify and balance things whenever I speak things so that nobody gets a wild hair and runs off and says something that Pastor Micah didn't ever say, okay? Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Somebody say, all authority. This is Jesus speaking, red letters. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, stop right there for a second. I want you to understand something for a second. In this moment where Jesus, because Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay? But the reason now he flips this and begins to address the disciples is because there's a transferring of authority here in this moment. There's a transferring of power. There's a transferring of anointing that is starting to take place through what Jesus is speaking. So now what he's saying is, you've seen me going forth and doing this. You've seen me and my authority given to me here on earth and in heaven. I've went and I began to make disciples of all nations. Hello, you're part of that group. But now I also want you to go baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word this morning. I thank you it doesn't fall on deaf ears. But Lord, let our ears and our heart be open to your word and, your, and the understanding of your spirit. Lord, let everything come forth with clarity. Lord, let our ears be open and our hearts respond to the word of God. Let it transform us and change us. Let conviction come where conviction needs to be. Lord, let hope arise where we need hope and let your change and transformative power of the Holy Spirit be in the room today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. So through the scripture, we can see that as believers, we've been commissioned to go into all the world. Somebody say go. Go, okay? Go is an action word, right? If you've ever played Mad Libs and the word and, and, and verb came up, um, one of the words you could use would be go because it is an action word. It is something that is calling you, compelling you, telling you, hey, do this. It is something you're going to go do, right? So what Jesus is saying is you can't stay where you're at to do what you need to do. <laughs> you are quiet because you're comfortable. You cannot fulfill the Great Commission staying where you are. You cannot fulfill the Great Commission without changing some things about yourself and without receiving the power and the authority that Jesus has you will not be able to do what God's called you to do. So when Jesus is saying here, what he's doing, he's authorizing them to be representatives or influencers in the earth. That's what Jesus is doing. Now, I'm talking about influencers just like you have on your TikTok, your Facebook, your Instagram, uh, whatever other social media outlets you might use. All of us have different influencers to some degree on our social media pages. What God's telling 
the disciple, what Jesus is telling the disciples here is, listen, you are called to go forth and be godly influencers in society, to bring forth the kingdom of heaven in society. You are called to go and speak and preach and teach to people. You know, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever had to call uh, some uh, a company, and I'll use, for instance, a company that many people in Crestly Word of Mouth don't like. Um, I'm also, I've never had a problem with them, uh, but uh, anybody ever called Cox Internet? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. And um, normally, whenever you call them, we joked about this in first service, you talk to a representative, and uh, somebody said, sometimes, because what you actually get is the electronic answering device, and if you're like me, you're like, zero, 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 and then you put your, and they're like, sorry, command cannot be verified, please hang up and try again, you're being disconnected, and disconnects you, like, what? Like, you call because you want to talk to a, or you'll do this, representative, representative representative because you're wanting to talk to somebody who's a representative of that company that's what you are in the earth for Jesus you're a representative you're called to represent Jesus what does the word represent mean it's actually a very strong word when you think about it because it actually means this to represent present again so the question you have to begin to ask yourself whenever you are representing Jesus, whenever you are representing, when you are walking around, who are you representing? Because many of us are representing ourselves, not representing the spirit of God. And let's just be honest. We're pretty dumb sometimes. We make dumb mistakes. We make dumb excuses. We're mean sometimes. Sometimes we're angry. Sometimes we're frustrated. And in our flesh, that is often what we represent to people. But listen, that is not what you are called to represent. What you're called to represent to people is Jesus who is loving and kind and merciful and gracious. Could you imagine if you called... Cox Internet said, hey, I'm having a problem with my internet, blah, blah, blah. I want to talk to a representative. They put you on the line with a representative. You're like, hey, this is going on. I'm really frustrated with this right now. And the representative who has the, oh, there's something here. Listen to this. Who has the power to do something about the problem you're facing. Let's just say it like this. You're having a problem with billing. They charged you $50 extra that they were not supposed to charge you. It was not in the contract. You double-checked everything, so on and so forth. There is no hidden fees, no agendas, nothing. It is just like $50 more than you're supposed to be charged. So you're calling the billing. You're like, hey, there's $50 on here. I need to get this fixed because I got another bill I got to pay, so on and so forth. All right, let's just start right there. And the representative tells you this. Yeah, that stinks. Nothing I can do for you. How well did they just represent their company? Not well. They were not a good representative because, oh, hear this today. They had the power to do something about it, but instead of actually trying to help you and do something about it, they just went, oh, yeah, too bad. How are you representing Jesus to people when you know they're going through things and you know that you have the power of God living and dwelling within you, but you look at that person whenever they're facing something and go, yep, too bad. 
What kind of representative is that? Now, I'm not saying you start arguing with the person and get into a scuffle and fight and debacle and, and, and debate and all of this. No. But what I am saying is there is something that God has placed within you. There is something that he has given to you that you can represent Jesus to that person or reintroduce that person to Jesus or present again Jesus to them that may change everything for them. That's the authority you have. Not only do you have authority over the power of the enemy, but as people of God, you have authority or delegated influence in your city, in your workplace, online. We don't like to talk about that. We don't want to talk about how we represent Jesus online, but some of y'all, keyboard warriors, got a lot of boldness to say some things that are really stupid because you have a screen. You do a whole series on how to, be, how to show the loving kindness of Jesus on the internet. Because yeah. <laughs> some of y'all are really good at sharing gossip, just sharing straight up lies and fabrications. And I know the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. You'll eat the fruits thereof, but social media wasn't around then. So let me put it in another way for you. Death and life are also in the power of your shares. And the power of the words you type out to people. And how you treat and witness to people via the internet. Because the bottom line, or text. Because the bottom line is today we are a society that uses this a whole lot yeah. and we, we we're quick to clap back at people on the internet with no fear of what could happen if we actually run into that person <laughs> let me just encourage you even whenever you're responding to people you are representing Jesus how are you representing Jesus to them we aren't here, I mean, excuse me, we are here to bring godly influence into the earth. We are not here just waiting for Jesus. There is something that God has for you to do here and now in the day that we live in. That's why he tells the disciples, hey, it's basically just saying, hey, I'm, I'm be leaving soon. I'm giving you my authority to go and now influence the heart of men. That's what you're called to do. Go and do that. We're not waiting for the rapture bus. We're not singing and I'm not knocking on the songs. Please understand me. We're not singing, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. You know, Jesus, take me now. Like, you know, we are here to establish the kingdom of God here on the earth. You are called to lead men and women to Jesus to help with what his will and his desire is. The Bible says that it is not his desire that, that, that any would perish, but all would come to know him, come to the loving knowledge of the Father. Listen, that's going to come through people like you ministering loving kindness and goodness to people that you're surrounded in, amen? Now, what I love about Jesus is this. There's a lot to love about Jesus. But one of the things I love about Jesus is this. Jesus was not a far-off de deity. He was a close king, he was touchable. Jesus was touchable. In Matthew chapter 8, we find this incredible text, and you can turn there if you want to. I'm going to read it real quickly. But Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 and 3, we find Jesus being very touchable with his community, with who he's coming into contact with. 
It says this in verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He said, I'm willing. He said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. We can find in the Bible, in, in uh, three of the four Gospels, that this story is recorded. And um, at that time, and this is why it's important to know the Word of God, to be a studier of the Word, to know context, to know times, seasons, laws that were in place at that time, so on and so forth. But it was unlawful for um, Jesus or for a clean person to come into contact with somebody that was considered unclean. But guess what? Jesus did it because Jesus was touchable. Jesus was willing to come into contact with people that didn't have everything together. Now, in the natural, we hear and we see sickness, right? Now, in that time, the Pharisees and the religious scholars and so on and so forth, they saw sickness and sin as synonymous, okay? So, to be full of sin was also to be unclean. To have sickness like leprosy or the woman with the, issue, the condition of blood um, who gets healed, she was considered unclean. So, in their minds, sickness and sin are synonymous. But Jesus reaches through that and still lets the unclean come to him because he was willing to minister to even the ones that were outcasted in their society. And let's just be real honest. The church at large has outcasted people that aren't in alignment with the word of God. Let's just be real in this room. For many years, Christians have been like, don't get near me. You're going to make me unclean because you're not saved. So I can't talk with you. I can't minister to you. I can't even be near you. But repeatedly, that's not what we see Jesus do. Jesus touched people and ministered to people he should have never had contact with according to the religious leaders of the day. And guess what? Whenever you allow people who may not have everything together get close to you, guess what? Religious feathers are going to get ruffled. People are going to get upset. There's going to be religious people that get frustrated and go, I cannot believe you would talk to somebody that is dealing with sexual confusion right now. I cannot believe you would even give time of day to somebody who is definitely a full-out drunkard all the time, just living completely wasted life all the time. I can't believe you do that. Religious people are going to get upset when you allow people who are dealing with sin to get close to you. Imagine if Jesus altered everything he did because this man got too close. How many miracles would we have never seen take place? How many healings and transformations we would have never seen happen if Jesus said, oh no, and ran away every time somebody got close who was unclean? But that's often the picture of us as a Christian society. 
Pastor Casey Doss has always said this. You, we, the church is often afraid that people who are not living for the Lord are going to get their sinner juice on us. And all of a sudden, we're dirty. We're unclean because, oh no, the sinner got too close. Let me just encourage you, this is nothing powerful thing Pastor Casey Doss says. Is that they're not projects, they're people. You also don't invite them in to go, ooh, I can fix them up. Ooh, yeah. You are not chipping Joanna Gaines with a fixer upper house, okay? <laughs> they're a person that needed a sa- needs a savior just like you needed one. They're a person that God said is fearfully and wonderfully made, even if they're dealing with sexual confusion, even if they're dealing with cycles of sin, even if they're dealing with suicidal thoughts, even if they're dealing with all these things, guess what? The Bible still says they're fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, are they living to the fullness of potential that God has for them? Absolutely not. But that means this, God brought, they came into your life for such a time as this, and they need somebody who's willing to say, hey, I love Jesus, and I'm touchable. And if you get close enough to me, I'll represent and introduce you to a Savior who loves you and calls goodness out of you and brings purpose, destiny, and miracles within your life too. And if you're religious in this room and you're mad because I said that, okay. Later on, somebody watches this on live stream and they're mad because I said this, okay. Because I'm tired of the church going, the church is arising in power. The righteous are as bold as a lion, like we're Superman or something. But we run every time somebody who doesn't look like us, act like us, or think like us comes into our life. That is not Christian at all. It's a. We're going to balance this in a minute, okay? So there is balance to this. But actually, what's funny to me is the people screaming about... (laughs) I'm going to really go somewhere now. All the Antichrist spirit is here yes and you are flowing in it because what you're doing and the way you are acting is antithetical to who christ is that running away from people who sin is anti-christ and his whole gospel and the message he came to bring we'll talk some about i'm gonna balance it i promise you some of y'all are like huh you, you never heard in the church. The only thing you heard in the church is to shun the sinner. Hate the sin and, and the sinner a little bit. But love them, but hate them a little bit. Don't get too close to sinners. because. But, but make, sure, <laughs> make sure you invite Johnny to church, but don't get too close to Johnny. Because he sins. Jesus was willing to be touchable. One thing I love about my dad, he's also a pastor, He's the apostle over our high praise campuses. And one thing I've always honored and respected about him. And my brother's the same way. My brother's the lead pastor at our high praise Panama City campus. We're a church between the three services there. We're run, they're running about 1,000 members, I mean, 1,000 people in attendance every week. Um, obviously, that's well more than 1,000 members than in the church. But what I've loved and respected and honored about my dad through years and years and years 
He's been in ministry for a long time. I mean, pretty much almost his whole life. <laughs> and he's always remained touchable. No, he's, he's not too good. He's not haughty. He's humble. He shows forth humility. And he's touchable. You'll see him before services, going around, hugging people's necks, giving them you know, high fives, fist bumps to kids. He'll pull money out of his wallet sometimes, give it to people. That's just that's his dad. That's, that's who he is. He's touchable. Because something he instilled within us is to be that way too. And so whenever we read the text and we see Jesus going, and even whenever there's people that maybe they don't line up with the way that we would do things, you can still allow them close. Even whenever there's people who are in full-out sin, it's okay to be close to them for a moment, okay? You're not going to become unclean because you got close. But you know what? The, whew, I just saw this. To believe that you will become unclean in a moment of being close to somebody who is, I understand what I'm saying, unclean, sinful, unclean, is actually... It is actually to say that the power of God within you is weaker than the sin that's in their life. What you're really doing is surrendering your power to the powers of darkness whenever you say, oh, I can't get that close to that person. And you know what? There might, listen, there's a balance. Okay, I'm a, I am going to get to it. Because there is people that maybe, hypothetically, let's just say it like this. In your past, you have dealt with homosexuality or sexual identity and confusion issues. Maybe that's been something that's been in your past. It is probably not the best for you to be the person that draws close to somebody who is going through that in their own life right now. You should probably allow another person to be Jesus, be the representative to Jesus uh, in that person's life, okay? In other words, you don't work, they're having issues in billing, you don't work in the billing department, you work in another department, okay? Like, that's how, you know, if somebody's having problems in their marriage, but you've been divorced 93 times, you probably aren't the person that needs to go minister to their marriage, right? right. One plus one equals two, yeah. right? But what I am saying is, whenever you know that you can face, you can look at that sin in the eyes and go, nah, God's given me the grace to say no. According to Titus, the, the book of Titus says that God gives me the grace to say no to uh, worldliness and ungodliness, what the scripture says. Uh, he's given me that grace. And I can look at this thing and I can minister to this person, not this project, to this person. And I can look at the sin that is separate from the person because the sin is not who they are. The sin is something they're engaging in right now that is making them ill. Understand what I say? That's making them unclean. But all it takes is the power of the touch of God to change everything in a moment. So when I can look at that as a minister and a carrier of Jesus and say, hey, I can minister to this person, then I should be willing to do that. That is Christ-like. And the bottom line is this. People today need a touch from God. And we are the only way that many will receive it. You may be, it's been said, and it's totally cheesy, but you may be the only Jesus that anyone ever sees, and that's so true. You, you may be the only representative that, you know, I shared something yesterday on my own social media account about being a principle-based believer, not preference-based believer. 
And that's a whole other issue in the church at large today is we have preference-based teaching, preference-based doctrines, preference-based... Um, we, we make the Word of God preference-based, and we take out and pluck out Scriptures because it doesn't fit our preferences. And we cannot be people that are preference-based. We must be biblically, principally rooted in the Word of God. And we have to teach and share our life and represent Christ from that place. And the bottom line is this. If you won't talk to somebody, once again, because they won't look like you, talk like you, or whatever, that's a problem. Because you're being preference-led, not biblically-led. Oh, he's got, that dude's got a nose ring and tattoos. Can't talk to him. Come on, get over yourself. Like, bro, love that person. (laughs) Minister to that person. You never know. They might be more holy than you are. I'll just sip my tea. Okay. (laughs) This is water, not tea. I kind of wish it was tea right now. (laughs) Because a lot of us are really good at putting, that was the Pharisees. They were really good at putting on a good front. They were really good at looking really religious and knowing all the laws, knowing all the things. But they didn't have the heart of God. The heart of God changes everything. It changes everything. The world doesn't need a fake church. It needs a real church. We often claim to be bold as lions, but we're afraid of sinners. Jesus was willing to touch those that had ailments in their body. He was willing to minister to people who needed healing. But in order to minister to people, you've got to be willing to speak to people. And you know what? People got mad that Jesus touched people he shouldn't have. People got mad. Religious leaders got mad. And I'm going to read Sarah's story as I come to a close. I'm going to share this story with you real quickly. And you find this in Luke's Gospel, chapter 7. Uh, you find in Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. There's a Pharisee <clears throat> that invites Jesus to come and sit and eat with him. His name is Simon. Maybe you've read the scripture before. Jesus accepts the invitation. From this passage, we recognize in this moment that Jesus was willing to eat with both common sinners and also those who were more religious. The Bible actually says it just like this. There's a woman who is a sinner who comes to Jesus at that moment. He does not forbid her from coming close. Even though, according to law at the moment, she should have been forbidden to be close to a prophet because that's what they believed Jesus was they believed Jesus was a prophet <clears throat> the scripture says it like this in Luke chapter 7 37 38 behold a woman in the city who was a sinner when she knew that he was reclining <laughs> Jesus was sitting there in a lazy boy in the Pharisee's house she brought out an alabaster jar of ointment standing behind his feet weeping she began to wet his feet with her tears and she wiped them with the hair of her head kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment there's a whole message inside of pouring your alabaster box out and all of that. And we've, one day we'll talk about the, the value and the price of what that actually was for her. But what's interesting here is actually Simon's response. This is what is startling. Because what she does is surprising to Simon. But more than that, what is surprising to Simon is that Jesus allows this to take place. 
Simon is alarmed and comes to the conclusion that Jesus isn't a prophet. He couldn't be one, is what Simon begins to believe, because he basically says, listen, what kind of prophet would know that somebody's a sinner and allow such unclean to touch him? Are you kidding me? So Simon starts really thinking, there's no way. There's no way that this man is righteous. There's no way that this man's right. The Pharisees thought that when a sinner touches a righteous person, it causes him or her to be unclean, which we find that in the church today, now. We talked about it a minute ago. Pharisees thought that sin and sickness were synonymous. But I want you to hear, there is no indication that Jesus held to a teaching of if you come into contact with a sinner, you are now a sinner and you are now unclean. There's no teaching that you can find of Jesus that says that. We need to keep that in mind. It is not sinful to be in the presence of a sinner. Bottom line is, everyone in this room has sinned. How many of you say, at one point in time, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? I will raise both my hands, all ten of my toes. If I could lay on my back and put my feet up too, I would, okay? I've sinned. I've fallen short of the glory of God. I've been in need of a Savior. I've needed His mercy. I've needed His grace. Some of y'all, y'all needed it this week. Some of y'all needed it this morning, Okay? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So in a sense, we've all been sinners. But the difference in this whole thing of being touchable is to be in the presence of sinners or actually engaging in sinful activity. Okay? That's the changing point. Some have went... So we've went from, we're talking about how people have went from a gospel of, or a, a word of like, you can't even be close to a sinner... And then some have taken and went to the other extreme. <coughs> Sorry, preaching two services and singing two services is getting in my, my throat right now. Uh, some went to the other extreme and have said, well, I've got to engage in what they're engaging in in order to really minister to their needs. No, you don't. That is ridiculous. That, I, I do not see Jesus do that. Jesus did not all of a sudden... I've got, I've got to become a leper so I can minister to the leper. No. I've got to engage in the same sinful activity that that person is engaging in so that I know the, the, where they're coming from. No. We never find in the Gospels where Jesus is getting drunk or worshiping an idol or, or has a prostitute or any of those things. Does he minister to people that are doing those actions? Yes. He never commits sin to reach out to sinners. In order to reach people, you must be touchable, but not indulge in what they do. One of the best stories, I love this story, is whenever Jesus encounters the woman found in adultery. And in that text, it talks about how the Pharisees brought the woman who found in adultery to Jesus. And they're all ready to pick up rocks and kill this girl for what she's done. And Jesus looks at him and poses this question of, hey, okay, I hear you. He who has no sin, why don't you throw the first rock? And then Jesus does this. Jesus goes to where the girl is. Where's the girl? She is down on the ground. She's been thrown. Now, religious people, Pharisees, believe that this woman should be killed. And according to the law of the day that was 
part of the, the payment for her crimes, for lack of better words. But Jesus says, hold on, you throw a stone. And the Bible says that one by one, starting with the oldest, they began to leave. But this whole time that they're walking away, Jesus is found where? Jesus is found where the girl is. Jesus is found where the woman in adultery is. Not, commit, not helping her commit more adultery. The, the Bible talks about how he, he drew in the sand. Some people believe it was a line. Other people believe different things. There are people that believe it was an ictus. That's just people who really like Jesus fish. Some people believe that he was writing out all her sins. I really don't care what he was writing out at that moment in time. I'm going to be cool one day to know, but that doesn't change the story for me. Because the story is actually that Jesus was forgetting about everybody, all the hecklers who brought the woman and rather was just there with her for a moment so that they would shut up and leave so he could then stand and say, now woman, go and sin no more. He was not... He went to where she was, but he did not engage in the sin with her. And that is the big change in the power of a healing touch from God. Is that you don't go and minister to people so that you can have an excuse to sin. No, you go and minister to people to call them out of darkness into his marvelous light. And let me encourage you with this real quickly. Is I want you to know this. Sometimes you may not know exactly what to say. But I want you to be encouraged to know that you serve a God. The Holy Spirit living and dwelling within you can prompt you and give you you the anointing and the words to speak to bring life edification and change into somebody's life just like that we find that in the book of jeremiah where jeremiah is found and god's calling him to do some incredible mighty things and god and jeremiah goes but god i don't know how to do this I, there's no way i can do such a thing and then the bible says that god rested his hand on jeremiah's mouth can you imagine that for a moment god puts his hand on your mouth whenever he puts his hand on your mouth it's like your whole faith He's like, shut up, okay? Be quiet. Don't talk. Hush. I, this is really silly. Anybody ever seen uh, old Mickey Jack and the Beanstalk with the E, five, four? I just like, that dude's hand was huge. As a kid, I remember thinking like, and so now I just have this, when I said that, I had this imagery in my head of, of that guy representing God and just putting his whole hand over Mickey's face. I'm like, shush, okay? God says, hey, be quiet. And then there's a transfer, and we talked about this earlier, where God, tr Jesus transferred anointing or power to you to go and be disciples. He does it with Jeremiah here, and he lays his hand. There's a transferring of authority, a transferring of anointing that happens. He lays his hands on Jeremiah's mouth and basically tells him, I'm going to help you speak what you need to speak. Okay? And listen to me. As Christians, as people in the church, We don't show up to church just to be filled with the power of God so we can have the power of God. We find it in Acts 2 with the birth of the church. There's this incredible thing that takes place in a moment of wind and fire. Spirit of God, presence of God shows up in a room. And the Bible says this. They go forth from that place and begin 
to, the Bible says actually that people thought they were cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, okay? They were crazy. They were wild. It doesn't actually say cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, just in case you didn't know. But it it actually says that people begin to go, are these people drunk? And then there's an answer for that. And it says, no, they're not drunk with wine, as you suppose. They're filled with the Holy Ghost because they were babbling and speaking in other tongues. And the Bible talks about how they went and they spoke in other tongues in the native languages of the nations that were represented. In other words, Holy Spirit began to fill them in a place to go out and minister the gospel and good news of Jesus. And many people were saved. That is one of the reasons you come to church is because Holy Spirit wants to fill you. He wants to fill your mouth. He wants to fill your words. He wants to fill your heart fill your spirit man with the words to speak to the people you come into contact with just like he did in the book of acts just like he did with jeremiah because listen there are people that you will come into contact with that i never will and maybe they'll never attend this church maybe they'll never show up to a service but you know what i believe that god can equip you to be touchable and speak the gospel preach the gospel in a way that they can receive in a way that they can understand and a way that will change and transform them by the power of Jesus Christ. That's what God wants to do within your life. Ms. Donnie, come play. Now, we didn't get too much into this, but next week we're really going to get into the physical side of the power of touch. Do you know that there's actually studies, actual studies, that, and we're gonna talk, we're, I'm going to give you these studies next week. There are studies that are found that with premature babies that are born, those that receive touch therapy are much more likely to be healthy quicker because once again there is something that is transferred and released in the power of touch there is something that is released in the power of being a touchable person and being someone who's willing to come into contact with brokenness being willing to come to contact with ungodliness if you don't do it who will If the church at large, church is crying about losing generations, but they're not willing to reach generations. Oh, because this this generation just doesn't do it like they did in my day. You're right. They don't. So we just go, oh, well, don't don't minister to them. Don't touch them. don't, don't, Don't release the power of God to them. Don't come into contact with them. Excommunicate them. No, you know what the problem is? Many of us are so hypocritical that we won't even allow them to come into the church because they don't align with what you believe about God. They're quieting me in this church this morning. There is something that happens whenever people that are full of Christ, Christ within them, that are full of the Spirit, come into contact with things that are unclean. Listen to me. I'm going to say this again. This wasn't in first service. This is good. To believe that sin on someone else's life can influence you so much to where you will lose your cleanliness because you come into contact with somebody who is sinful is to diminish the power of God resting on your life. Don't diminish the power of our God. Rather know that he's given you power and authority. There was a divine, there was a divine transfer of authority and anointing that was found whenever he said, 
go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. These signs will follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll see them or they'll cast out demons in my name. Listen to me. God has put something within you that the world needs. Don't run from people who aren't like you. Let me encourage you. Draw them close, not to you, but to a representation of who Jesus is. Walk in the Spirit and represent to people the loving kindness, the mercy, the goodness, the grace, the joy of Jesus. I'm telling you, I believe that whenever you begin to change that thought process in your mind. Now, once again, I want to clarify as we end. The Bible does say that bad company corrupts good character. So I'm not saying, once again, you need to go indulge in sinful activities to try to get those people to come to church. Let me, there's a lot of things that are out there about that. I don't have more time to go on that, but you don't have to go engage in sinful activities to get people saved. But rather, you do need to actually minister to people who need the touch of the Lord. Amen. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Lift your hands to the Lord. I want to pray over us before we're dismissed this morning. Father God, we thank you right now for this word today. Lord, we thank you that you are touchable. You're not a far off God. You exampled that for us in your word through the numerous times that you were willing to come into contact with people that were unclean. So Lord, we ask now, Holy Spirit, we ask now that you rid us of any mindset, any old religious mindset that would keep us from being the authority and representation of Jesus in the earth today that would see the lost saved. Break down those walls now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're also giving us grace, though. We thank you for a fresh grace to minister to those that need a touch of God. You're giving us a fresh grace to say no to worldliness and ungodliness and yes to holiness and righteousness for your name's sake. So Father, we thank you Lord, that as we come into contact with people this week that need a representation of who you are, that need to be represented the gospel and good news of Jesus, you will anoint us, you will fill our mouths with the words to speak, our hearts with the things to utter, and we will see transformation power take place in Jesus' name. Lord, and I just want to pray this too real quickly that we will not grow weary in the well-doing of sowing the seed of the word. I believe that there's some of you in this room that you were once a person that was willing to draw in people close and to minister to them and just over years and times and seasons have just lost that hope uh, and you just feel like, man, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Even some of you with your family members, you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried. And the Lord says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Continue to sow the seed of the word of the Lord and know that I will bring forth its fruit in its time, says the Spirit the Lord. So God, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We thank you for everything you've done, you're doing, and you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Will you give God one more hand clap of praise today? Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Thank you, God.